Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person who knows climate change is all too real. California and the West Coast right now is in the midst of the worst wildfire season in modern history. More than 3 million acres have already burned. Hurricane Sally is causing massive flooding. And after this, this is right after Hurricane Laura. And, you know, this climate crisis just feels so big. The virus, everything feels so big and so out of control. And I'm just going to play a little clip from a a song, uh, John Bon Jovi, Do What You Can. When you can't do what you do, you do what you can. This ain't my fear, it's just a thought I'm wanting to share. I love that song because I think we're in a moment where it just feels so overwhelming. And one of the best things when you are feeling overwhelmed is to find something you can do. Um, on today's show, we're going to be talking with someone who's doing what she can do to reduce food waste. And when we reduce food waste, we are protecting water soil, and all the human activity that goes into agriculture. We are reducing climate emissions. So I want to welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Sue Marshall. Sue is the CEO and a transformational entrepreneur with Net Zero. Hi, Sue. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, Laura. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for um, being with us. So tell us a little bit about uh, Net Zero. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for that song. So when you can't do what you you do, you do what you can. That was me in mid-April. Wow. And a lot of people, right? That was just crazy to go through and continue to go through. And I appreciate you bringing up the fires and all that's happening. Uh, My youngest is in Sacramento doing what she can do, um, given all the circumstances with food. She's a soil scientist, so we want her to continue her work. But She's got to be able to breathe, so we're all pretty serious on what's going on. So I appreciate the chance to talk about food waste and looking at agriculture differently so that we can use what we can use, right, without Mm -hmm. growing more. So, yeah, Net Zero is a a specified benefit corporation. Uh, We started in 2015 uh, looking at various technologies to process food that would otherwise be wasted. Um, at the time, I didn't realize I would end up be- being called a food upcycler, which is what we're going to talk about today, which is super exciting. Um, at the time, I just wanted to do what I could do um, and look at food waste and what kind of food could be easily reused and what now is termed upcycled. Yeah, and I've talked to a lot of people. They've not, they're not familiar with this term, food upcycling. Maybe we've heard of clothes upcycling, but what is food upcycling? Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. yeah. We all like to look at um, getting clothes that were used before and 
They're still cool, so why wouldn't we do that? Secondhand retail is up for clothing, which makes sense. So food is the same way. And so if you look at 40 billion pounds of food a year is wasted in the United States, and that is enough to feed everyone, and it's just currently just not. Um, of that, 6 billion pounds of that comes from food and beverage manufacturing. So this would be byproducts that is just part of their normal course of what they do. So we can look at oat milk. Everybody likes oat milk these days. It seems to be popular. Well, when you make oat milk, you have leftover oats. Um, if you go to your local craft brewery, which we love to do and have your favorite brew, uh, there is grain that goes into making that beer. And the reason why it's so good is because there's really, really great grains going into that manufacturing process. So Net Zero focuses on the 6 billion pounds. Um, because that food is still nutritionally great. Uh, like with the grains going into beer, the only thing they removed was sugar, which good for us. We should be eating less sugar. So um, the protein and fibers are left behind and typically wasted. So Net Zero just says, you know what, we should keep that into the food supply chain. And we have this really fancy, fun equipment, uh, proprietary, using all kinds of cool technology that takes that grain and reuses it again. And then we mill it and we make flour. We sell it to other CPGs or consumer food product companies that can make chips and bars and all kinds of other food products. And later in the show, we're going to be joined with uh, Michael Burt from Midwest Northern Nuts, and you're, you're working with them on upcycling some ingredients as well. Yes, we are. I'm excited. So I'll let Michael share more about that. He's got a great history, he and his family, on being involved with um, food rescue and then now working with Net Zero to make products that have upcycled food ingredients. And so this this is comprehensive. So it's everything from how to use the eggshells um, after um, – why throw away all those eggshells to the spent grains, uh, to fruits and vegetables, to mixed food waste. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a different way of looking at food. Yes, tall order, right? Right. 40 billion pounds of it. <laughs> yeah. So that is one of the reasons Net Zero chose to align themselves with other folks trying to do that good work. We believe that these kind of challenges that we face, we can't do alone. And, and specifically, traditional business models can't do alone. So that is why we chose to become a B Corp. Um, and that we chose to collaborate with other folks doing this great work. So how can we leverage each other's strengths and collaborate to take as much of that food as possible and reuse it and get more value out of it? And the um, idea of the grains, for example, if we reuse the grains, that would be less having to grow new grains for, for food. You are always going to want to grow high-quality artisan grains. The farmers, especially up here in the Midwest, they want to diversify their crops. They want to look into growing well, different types of perennial crops, more sustainable crops. So by reusing some of these grains, it allows them to be more innovative and do some more diversity in their crop rotations and whatnot. So we feel like we're helping the farmers innovate and diversify. And then, of course, we're feeding more people nutrition uh, and good, like if you take a look at some of these grains, they're actually great to bake with. So that's what we ended up finding out during COVID, which was our silver lining, was, you know, letting people actually try it, bake with it, 
and give us their feedback and really enjoy it. Right. So let's let's go into the details with um. So the spent grain and and you made a flour product that people can now buy. So how did that work? Mm-hmm. And this was all a pivot because of COVID. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> So that's why I love that song, because in mid-April, when, you know, the breweries and distilleries, you know, shut down, as did restaurants and everybody else, and uh, we were stuck here with a large spent grain flour inventory from all the great breweries that we had been processing in Tattersall Distilling, which is amazing grain, corn, and rye. So we were left with these products, and I didn't realize at the time, and who would, that we couldn't buy flour in the grocery store. Uh, so I had gotten calls about, well, you need to distribute your flour in Bakersfield. Love Bakersfield, um, Mill and Flour there in Northeast uh, helped me create and blend the spent grain flour that we had in inventory with their amazing organic Ingmar whole wheat flour. So we were able to create flour that anyone can use. And here's me driving around in my face mask, <laughs> dropping off flour for people so that they could bake at home. And which was great because I love being, you know, right with a consumer asking, what did they bake? Did it turn out? What would you do differently? And then how much would you pay? How much does it mean to you to be part of using upcycled ingredients in food? And we got a lot of great feedback. And so we're really excited about, you know, coming out of COVID and, and having people had education and awareness and Nationally, we've gotten a lot of press, and a lot of that also has to do with the Upcycled Food Association that we're, we belong to. Right, so you're a member of the Upcycled Food Association. Yeah, a founding board member. Um, we had, there was eight of us originally that thought it was a great idea a year and a half ago to try and start a trade association. Um, watch out what you ask for, right? <laughs> So last October of 2019, ReFed and um, other organizations, Harvard, NRDC, um, all came together and helped us actually start a legitimate trade association and a foundation. Um, And we launched that, and today we have over 100 members around the globe, all interested in upcycling food. Uh, We were tasked with defining upcycling food, which really has to do with taking food that would otherwise be wasted and getting more value out of that into new food products for human consumption. So from there, now we're creating certifications for upcycled ingredients and foods, and ultimately for the consumer to be able to trust, you know, these types of foods being upcycled. Is it safe? Is it good? Um, And then ultimately being part of the whole movement. Right, because I mean, in some ways, it sounds kind of. Ooh, I can take upcycled clothes, but upcycled foods um, that can sound a little. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds. It can sound a little weird or something. Especially when you're talking eggshells, because you mentioned <laughs> eggshells, right? Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm going to buy one crunchy eggshells in my cereal. It does sound kind of strange. Yes, so. That was one of the reasons collaborating and education makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to process eggshells and think you're going to use it in your cereal this morning. Um, But what we do know is an eggshell is made up of calcium, and 10% of the shell is membrane. So when you go to hard-boiled egg and that that stuff that's hard to peel off, that's actually membrane, and it's collagen. Sue Marshall? Right, so uh-huh. that can be used on other products. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll yes. be coming right back. We're yes. going to talk about upcycled Perfect. foods on Food Freedom Great. Radio.
Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking uh, with CEO and transformational entrepreneur uh, Sue Marshall with Net Zero. And Sue, uh, right now, about a third of all food produced gets wasted every year. And you're a founding mm-hmm. member of something called the Upcycled Food Association. So give us again um, a, a picture. What does that mean, upcycled foods? What we look at when we're calling something upcycled food is we're raising the value. So if somebody, let's use a brewery, that's a good example, uses grains and makes a beer, that grain typically would be thrown away or possibly given as animal feed, but that solution for a brewery is inconsistent. And so what Net Zero comes in and says is we will take away that problem of your spent grain, which is what they call it in the breweries, and then we will process it, and then we will leave it as a food. So we've upcycled it from what would normally be wasted or underutilized, and then we put it back into food. So now it's an upcycled ingredient uh, that then goes into lovely foods, bread, snack products, uh, anything that would use a grain, granola, for example. And then how safe is this? That's the tricky question because not everybody can just upcycle it and then commercialize it and sell it. You do have to go under the FDA food safety regulations. So it's really an extension if you think about it as continued food processing. So we're, we're extending, we're powering that food's life forward is what I like to say. So what other, what Mother Nature created, we should utilize. And in these byproducts that are used in food and beverage manufacturing are a lot of nutrients. In the spent grain case, it's protein and fiber and the sugar has been removed for the beer. So those grains have great value for our health. If you look at eggshell waste, you have the calcium and then of course the collagen which we talked about briefly before the break, and collagen is great. We've seen that in food. We look at water now having collagen and food products with collagen. That collagen is typically grown in vegetables, so they grow a crop to make that collagen. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just if we have food that has these great nutrients like the collagen from an eggshell that typically would be wasted, at Net Zero, we feel that should have continued life before we have more crops being grown for those same nutrients. One thing I like on your uh, website, I want to hear a little bit more about your background, your personal background, but you believe in partnering with Mother Nature to correct the mistakes of her generations and generations past. Mm, yeah, yeah, that kind of ticks at my heart. Um, i obviously been an entrepreneur my whole life, and you get to a point in your career where you really want to do something that makes a difference. So I had went to my children and my husband and said I wanted to start a different business, and I was thinking about food waste and the environment and, and land use. And, of course, my children were very excited, and they said, yes, you should do something that's impactful, Mom, because your generation kind of like really <laughs> put a lot of challenges in front of us that we now have to face, which, as you said at the start of the show, we are seeing it firsthand with climate change, and they're right. You know, I, I feel like that has to be my next chapters having to do with, you know, climate change, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, looking at different ways to help Mother Nature uh, versus continuing to load more on her because it's not working. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to be in the upcycling food movement and have just started the industry with a core group of us that all feel the same way. And um, uh, 8% of all greenhouse gases come from food waste right now? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what I would love everyone to do. If you have a chance to compost, please compost. Because if you think of a traditional garbage can and you're mixing it with garbage that is not organic with organic garbage such as food, and then that goes to the landfill, the part that creates greenhouse gases is the food, the organics that are degrading. That emits greenhouse gases as that breaks down. So if we could at least separate, and that's why, you know, it's very important to separate your trash. Recycling goes in recycling bin. Organics go in the compost. If, you, if you're if you lucky enough to live in a community that, you know, collects um, organics, um, always do that because we want to keep that stuff out of the landfill that is creating the greenhouse gases. Right, because it also adds methane. Um, so, okay, let's talk on um, the specifics on upcycling because it's kind of a hard concept to get. So, because you work with everything from um, eggshells to fruits and vegetables to mixed foods, rice, and we talked about the artisan, uh, the the spent grains. Um, so, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of different types of ways that that this um, concept of upcycling is um, entering the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, obviously a short term vision to take the byproducts that have the most value for human health in that, you know, collagen, calcium, protein fibers, all of that is great. Uh, The large vision eventually, of course, is to 100% take all food and reuse it. Not all of it will be reused in human consumption. That's not possible. But can we make industrial products? Uh, In Minnesota and up here in the Midwest, a lot of people don't realize this, but we're on the cutting edge of innovation of using products in, that would be food that would be used into making new things like silverware. You've seen when you go to certain uh, restaurants when they have um, the disposable silverware and compostable silverware that's actually made from scraps from things that would have been wasted as far as food. So there is industrial uses for this food that would just ended up in a landfill. Um, we're at net zero. We're focused right now, of course, keeping food food. But again, in a perfect world, we would have zero food waste and we would be using everything in some sort of product. And the problems with uh, plastics, microplastics in the ocean, I mean, it's just overwhelming. And so if you could do these things out of eggshells instead, you know, we don't need to have plastic anymore. Plastic should be um, just some something in, in the past. Yeah, and then you can even eat your silverware when you're done. <laughs> and there are people that are doing that, too. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd want one with eggshells, though. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get that down either right now, I'll be honest. <laughs> right. So so tell us a little bit more about uh, Net Zero and, and uh, what specifically you do. Who are, who are your customers? Well, we have some fun things going locally here. Uh, we created a Twin City Spent Grain Co-op. So that would be with our brewery and distillery partners. And so we just moved into a new facility, and I know you're going to touch on that in a minute. Um, So what we do is we process those spent grains all together. So they're all involved with it. They all feel great. It becomes one product, one spent grain flour, which they're all involved in. So we feel like, you know, everybody ought to have um, a chance to be part of something. If you're a small craft brewery or a bigger one or a bigger distillery, um, but all of us should be part of that. And then from there, all kinds of products can be made with a Twin Cities Bank Grain Co-op. Um, we are planning to replicate that across the country. So as soon as we have that model down here, we'll go to Chicago, we'll go to Michigan, and we'll do that same thing with their local breweries and distilleries and then their bakers and then their restaurants and anybody else who can use those products within the community. Our feeling is that the, where food waste is created, 
it should be kept in the community first and foremost, and that's for nutrition, for jobs, just to keep that circular local. Uh, obviously, if there's more byproduct, like in spent grain, you're going to end up having to distribute it outside of the immediate community. But the community should benefit first. Yeah, and what's the response been like from the breweries? Are they happy that you come along and say, I can take this project that you've been throwing away in the dumpsters and reclaiming it? Well, I love the transition. What's happened is initially the calls were, could you come and take away my problem? And that's typical with food manufacturing as well. They have this, they see it as a problem. And then so, they come along and they realize they can actually be part of this, this solution. The solution. How it. awesome. Because we all want to do what we can. So we need to take another break. Right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk with Michael a little bit. Michael Burt with We Are Nuts. And then we'll come back Perfect. to you. Can't wait. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking about upcycled foods. Um, earlier in the program, we had Sue Marshall with NetZero.us, uh, and uh, we'll be coming back to her in the last segment as well. But right now, Michael Burt uh, with Midwest Northern Nuts, and We Are Nuts, is joining us. Hi. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so uh, We Are Nuts is a local company. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so We Are Nuts, a uh, nut company run by myself and my wonderful family, my brothers, my father, my mother, and I uh, over in St. Paul in the Midway area for about 35 years. Um, you know, we roast, bring in nuts from all over the world from the farms and roast them a uh, small batch and have a little retail store there at the end of Vandalia that's wonderful and also um, in all the Lunds and Byerleys. And, yeah, it's a wonderful little company. And um, so you are doing a partnership um, for upcycled foods. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So um, last fall, we bought um, a, a friendly competitor uh, across the river, all the way over in northeast Minneapolis, a company called Midwest Nut. And so now we got nuts on both sides of the river. <laughs> and so um, Sue called me, um, you know, kind of met through our relationship through the food building and Kieran Foliard and all the wonderful work he's doing over there. Um and Sue and I hit it off, as, as you well know. She's a wonderfully dynamic, entrepreneurial, um, incredibly creative woman um, that has big ambitions. And so got to talking. Lucky as chance had it, I had a little extra space in our building here on Marshall. And um, so she became a roommate here September 1st. So we're starting to collaborate on some consumer goods products, um, selling into a joint channel um, of the breweries, distilleries that we sell snack mixes into so they can keep their patrons uh, full and thirsty and coming up with some um, new upcycled products uh, for that for that line. And so you're right across the street from 56 Brewing. You got it. And so you the, are the collaboration on the Artisan Grain Collaborative is taking the spent grains, which would have gotten tossed in the garbage and was a problem, uh, they're repurposing them through this technology, and yep. then now you're making products which you hope to sell back to the breweries. Exactly. Yeah. F- that sounds really technology. nice. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that I hope that there's an opportunity for the public to come in and, and see what Sue and her team are doing because it sure is cool. I mean, a cool collaboration with the U of M and awesome to take that otherwise wasteful material um, and get it back. And to be honest, it's it's great material with respect to its nutritional benefits which sue can speak more to and and just you know the 
it being used as a as a usable consumable ingredient in the awesome trail mixes and bar mixes and and butter toffee peanuts um you know that we have out in the marketplace um it's just a cool you know new way to integrate that ingredient in and and sell it right how better than to put it right back in the breweries where it came from and and kind of do the whole circle um circle of the food chain there yeah, and um, so yeah, what are some of those specific products that are in development right now? I mean, can people oh, buy these right now, or they're still in development? It's a good question. You're getting in the secret sauce. So Ooh. we're actually working with some awesome agencies. Um, uh, Redlime uh, is an awesome agency in here in town run by uh, Serena. Um, Jenny at Artisan Row and her team, we're working with, with them uh, to, to come up with some great new items, you know, items, twists of, what we already have out in the market for, you know, Midwest nuts since the 60s, we are nuts since the 80s, um, just with a new twist, just with a new upcycle twist, with some new spice, with some new flavors for the breweries, and, you know, trying to just come up with some interesting craft uh, nut concoctions uh, that can show back up on the taproom floor. So um, you have been, uh, or Midwest Northern Nut and uh, We Are Nuts has been family-owned since 1987 here in the Twin Cities. Correct. And Sue said you were one of the original upcyclers. upcyclers. <laughs> what does She's that generous. mean? Yeah, so um, my family also runs a big business in St. Paul, a national business in the grocery um, grocery reclamation business. And what that means is, you know, under Sue's definition of upcycling, raising the value of the food item, we take finished good grocery that would be pulled from the shelves of grocery stores, manufacturers, distributors, for a number of reasons. You know, it's close to expiration, it's expired, it's got a little damage on it. You know, whatever the case, food's still safe, food's still perfectly wholesome, you know, but it's pulled from the, the first-line ecosystem and frankly would be ended up in the dump as you alluded to at the beginning of the show how much food gets wasted and we are a central um kind of distribution center where all that product comes a semi-trailer flips on the road and the product gets damaged all of that food grocery finished good comes to us and then we redistribute it into you know a, a segment of the world that still needs finished goods and realizes that you know, as opposed to that ending up in the dump, we breathe new value into it um, just by merely getting it out there into people that, you know, have a need for food and groceries to feed mouths and can do so at a, obviously a cheaper price point. And it just really, you know, takes away the problem of the retailers, distributors, and yet still keeps that food from going into the dump and gets it in the mouths of people that need it. Right, because one-third of the food that gets produced is wasted every year. You got it. Is that a good idea? Yeah, and it's, I mean, we fight every day to keep food out of the dump. You know, perfectly good food that, you know, otherwise would be thrown away That with the amount of, you know, childhood hunger and, and all the rural hunger that goes on. You know, we fight hard for that cause to keep that food back, you know, in the grocery stores, in the communities that need it, in the food banks, wherever we can um, is kind of our family's mission for 30 years now. So it's, it's wonderful, again, full circle to, to have Sue be the catalyst to marry up what we're doing with our nut companies with kind of this underlying passion we've had in, in food, quote-unquote, upcycling all along. One thing I liked about uh, Sue's um, website, what I said about her, is that she sees that part of her 
mission is to correct the mistakes of her generations and generations past. Um, so that we create the future that we want for our children and for ourselves right now. And is that part of what's also motivating you? Yeah. I mean, I'm inspired every time I listen to Sue talk. It kind of gets me going. Um, yes, it is. I mean, I've got young kids all elementary age, and so, you know, we're constantly looking at, you know, the balance of um, whole and nutritious food against price, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so. I think that generationally, new generations are moving towards being more label conscious, more food conscious, more ingredient conscious on clean labels. So we definitely, as a company, are moving that direction, trying to work with, you know, whether it's Jenny and the Artisan Road team or Serena and the Redline team to come up with those products that kind of meet that minimum threshold, you know, still being mindful that there's consumer constraint in terms of income and money for food, and food's expensive. I mean, food prices rise and rise and rise, and when you get into the, you know, the organics and all the different, you know, clean foods, they're expensive for a reason, Um, and so we're just trying to find that sweet spot and, and, you know, working with Serena and just think tanking with all these wonderful people in our community, in our town, you know, that are, whether they're the food scientists or the, the researchers or the you know, the, um, whoever it is, everybody kind of worked towards that common goal. And I think it's pretty special in the Twin Cities and throughout Minnesota. Right, because that ecosystem is really important. I mean, we don't do these things alone by ourselves. Exactly. And it's just, you know, you want to be a first adopter, but there's, there's a, you know, financial risk in being a, a first adopter. And so you just try to do what's, what's best for the business, what's best for the community, what's best for family. Um, and weigh all those things in tandem. So we're, we're, we sure do. It, it sure is top of mind in all the decisions that we make. And so you've been distributing nuts for decades. Um, what about the COVID? How has, has that been disruptive? Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, we do so much with all of our wonderful food service partners in town. Um, we supply all the nuts and dried fruit that show up at all the restaurants. Um, so that's obviously been extremely challenging um, we are the largest popcorn and, and trail mix and nut uh, supplier to the food uh, fundraising industry, which is for schools and kids and sports programs. So obviously that's been stymied. So it's been a, a triple whammy. Um, but, you know, then you just move forward and you're, you're an entrepreneur. So you try to find the next thing um, to keep people employed and, and keep, um, you know, jobs going and, and keep the business going and, we have a wonderful community of people that shop at our retail stores, um, which have been awesome. Partner in Lunds and Byerly's, who's been great to work with. Um, and you just try to keep innovating, 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 being in front of the curve, come up with new products, new ideas, new marketing. Um, and so it's, it, COVID's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity as an entrepreneur to, to move and shake and find and change and, and be better than where you were before. So how is it an opportunity? Because it just seems like one big bummer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But it is a bummer. It's a bummer and you can sit on your hands and be upset about it. Or it's an opportunity to, to meet people like Sue and to get out and have conversations. And, and people are out to help each other through COVID. I mean, that's the amazing thing about this challenge is that everybody's in it. So everybody wants, everybody needs and wants to help. And those that can survive, um, you know, are, can be stronger as a result of, and you got to lean on people, and it really tests who your partners are customer-wise, vendor-wise, and just in the community um, to help you through it. So it, it's, 
it's an eye-opening experience. Um, I hope it never happens to my kids' generation or generations of my family beyond, but, um, you know, it sure does bring people close. You know, and I, that's really nice to hear because we almost we don't get that message. And I think that that is part of what our community is experiencing right now. I mean, even though there's so many headaches and it's it's difficult, but there is also a feeling of solidarity. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. And especially on the food front. I mean, you know, the, the whole grocery channel is so disrupted. The food channel is disrupted at the commodity level for the growers you know, through the manufacturers, through the distributors, and down to the retailers. And so that that's a problem. And I know the consumer complains because shelves are empty, but it's an upstream and downstream problem. And I think that, you know, it just sheds light on how imperative access to food, food is uh, for people now that kids, whether their hot lunches aren't available, you know, if they're distance, how you get food to kids, you know, people not eating healthy at home like maybe they otherwise would, um, you know, we're constantly trying to come up with ways to be a part of the solution rather than further the problem by coming up with healthy food, coming up with healthy snack food. I mean, you know, the benefit of nuts, as, as we all know, is tons of fiber, tons of protein, check a lot of the boxes, kid-friendly. And so we're just trying to constantly work with our food service vendors, our retail vendors, ourselves online to come up with products that meet the needs, the new, the new world of covid um, you know, that still speak to a, a healthy, you know, mom and dad that want to feed their feed their kids good food. Yeah. Uh, Michael Burt with uh, Midwest Northern Nuts, and we are nuts. Um, last few seconds, anything else you want to say, and then we'll get back to Sue in the last segment. No, I, you know, I, like I said, thank you for having us on. Wonderful opportunity, and, and, and Sue, I can't speak highly enough of her and her reputation in town, so keep going. Keep going. And I love this idea. You're taking uh, leftovers from the Sprint Brewery and making nuts that will go back in the brewery. And, you know, in a world where um, 8% of all greenhouse climate gases come from food waste, how do we take what is that food waste and, and turn it into something that works for all? So I thank you so much, uh, Michael Burt, uh, again, Midwest Northern Nuts, and we are nuts for joining us. Um, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with uh, Sue Marshall, uh, Transformational Entrepreneur. You do what you can. You do what you can. That's music from John Bon Jovi. Do what you can. And uh, we're talking about what can we do about food waste and what can we do to create a better economy, something that works for the children, something that's that's good for water and soil. Um, and thank uh, Michael Burt from the last segment. Uh, he's the uh, co-owner of Minnesota Northern Nuts and We Are Nuts. And now we're back to Sue Marshall with Net Zero. Uh, welcome back to yes. Food Freedom Radio. Yeah, glad to be back. It's all about nuts. Isn't it's, that great? Yeah, that was, that. it is It is so fun. Now, you also, the, there's an opportunity for people to be able to sample your products. You want to talk about that? Yes, there is. Yes, so we're in the middle of Twin Cities Startup Week, and on September 24th, it's All Agricultural and Food Day, and I'll be speaking about upcycled food. It's all virtual, of course, so you can go online and take a look at that. Um, and then on September 25th, there's going to be a registration for us to win um, bags of upcycled food products. Uh, so you can go to Modest Brewing and sign up to register for winning that. And they've been great supporters. They have upcycled food products in their merchandise area in the brewery. And they're one of our Twin City Co-op, Spent Grain Co-op members. 
Yeah, so um, so this is done by a co-op too. It's the uh, spent grain um, co-op. So how did this come about? It just really, literally came about going to the different breweries, asking them what's their problem with the spent grain, what would they like to see done, how would they like to participate, and then Tattersall Distilling was a big core member originally, and we just started producing, you know, their their spent grain. We upcycled it. And when we upcycle it, of course, you know, we use our preparatory equipment so it's safe and it's good. And then we, you know, obviously have ingredients then for new products. And then people like Michael Burt and, and other field theory foods, several people locally, Bakersfield, all got involved and said, you know, here's how we can be part of that co-op as well. So it's new. We're just, you know, literally getting everybody situated in it. And ultimately, our goal is to replicate that cooperative idea around spent grain in the community all around the country, wherever you would have craft breweries you could have a co-op around spent grain. Yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful vision. Um, and again, I, I don't want to, I know it's proprietary, but so you take this grain that would have gotten thrown away, it still has a lot of nutrients in it, and then what do you do with it so that we can eat it again? <laughs> yeah, let's give you the visual. So spent grain looks like really mushy oatmeal. So they've put it through their process. They've taken the sugars out. There's a lot of water in it, really super heavy. It looks like oatmeal. And then we take it, we squeeze all the water out of it, we sanitize it, make sure there's nothing in there that, you know, can hurt us, and then we dry it. So it becomes, it looks exactly how it looked before they even put it into the brewing process, except for it doesn't have sugars in it. So now we're left with protein and fiber grain, just like it looked like before, but it doesn't have the sugar. And then we take that grain and then we either grind it or mill it to be put into other products. Cool. That is so cool. And I know a lot of people are looking to reduce their sugar, so getting a flour without sugar um, may make a lot of it's sense. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. Yes. It's a bonus. Um, so uh, what about your personal story? How did you come across this? <laughs> it was interesting. I was went back to school, uh, decided that what, what I would do. So I was an older graduate student and loved that idea. And then I stumbled across this technology that was being used for cow manure and human waste. So large scale, clearly, and similar technology that we have today, we just adapted it by putting the food safe standards and a little bit different process, obviously, than that kind of waste going in and out. Um, But I did learn a lot about nutrients and being used again. I just didn't want to stay in that world. I wanted to go into the food waste world, which I think was the right direction, right? Yeah, and the other thing that's so nice about this is individuals owning the economy. And for a long time, I've, you know, if, 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 if we own our own economy, I think it just helps in so many ways. It's so regenerative as, as opposed to um, what's, is, it, I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that? There's this, the fact that you're working with independent local brewers and they're, they're owners. Yeah, that's the community model. It's what, as consumers of food, it's what's happening. It's the evolution to go back to uh, the local uh, ideas, uh, local farmers, And obviously with COVID, and Michael talked a bit about that, you know, none of us would love to go through that again, and we're going to do anything we can to make sure that the next generations don't have the same challenges. And food resiliency starts with being local. So we all realized that when the shelves started to become empty and how our food supply system 
was literally not in our control at all. So what we have to do is get back to what is local, what can we do locally, and, and all get together on that. There's always going to be, you know, large food producers. We need that, too. We have a lot of mouths to feed in this country and around the world. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what is local first? What can we get locally and what can we all participate as far as the economy? And then from there, go more commercial. So I silver lining for COVID was that everybody's starting to ask, where where does my food come from and what actually is in it? And what should I be doing that could help? some of these climate change challenges we're facing. So that is the COVID silver lining as everyone is starting to ask about the food system. Yeah, yeah. And the more that we ask, the more that we take ownership of it. And and um, and AM 950, we're also locally owned. Um, and and so I, I, I think that is powerful. And, and it's not that, you know, the we also need the large players. I mean, we really, it, it, it's, it's, it takes a global village. It takes all of us doing what we can, right? Getting back to our song, yes, do what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, last, few <laughs> yes. minutes of, last few minutes of the show, uh, what else would you like to share, Sue? Yeah, I would just love everybody to take a look at, you know, the Twin Cities Spent Grain Co-op. Start with Modest Brewing on the 25th. We'll start uh, letting everybody know who's involved in the co-op. And then, again, if you can patron those local companies for all that they're doing, including Michael at We Are Nuts, great, great team there. What can we be doing all together here locally to feed people better with food that we already have? Right. And what is your website? N-E-T-Z-R-O dot U-S. So net. And you're also a founding member of the uh, Upcycled Food Association. What do you see as the future of Upcycled Foods? You will see. We are going to be announcing in November this certification uh, process for Upcycled Foods. So when you go to the grocery store next year, you'll be able to see next to non-GMO and organic certification, you'll be able to see a U.S. Upcycled Food certification. This is so wonderful. Uh, What's your idea of food freedom, Sue? Food freedom? Yeah. Food freedom to me is that everybody has access to good food and, and literally can afford it. And, we're, and it's not something that only people of means have access to, that entire communities. I mean, we have, we've gone through so much uh, this year and in looking at inequities, social justice, environmental justice. And to be honest with you, all that is tied to food. It is. And if we could just look at food and... and fix that, we can fix so many other things as well. But it does start with food. It definitely does. I thank you so much, Sue Marshall, um, entrepreneur with NetZero.us, and thank Michael Burt with uh, Midwest Northern Nut, and uh, We Are Nuts, and thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. Next week, we're going to have Land Stewardship Action on, and we're going to talk about how we mobilize for this election. Really looking forward to that conversation. And a third of all food gets wasted doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Let's find a better way. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Maybe it's saving someone's life. They had to cancel graduation. 